Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. The topic today is fraud, a topic that's on everybody's minds this year. And we're talking with Steve Neville, Director of Identity Solutions with Entrust. Steve, it's good to talk with you again. Yeah, great to talk to you as well. When we spoke about fraud last year, we certainly had an awful lot to talk about. But this year already, we've had the Heartland Payment Systems breach. We've got another processor breach that's just been announced. Fraud is on everybody's minds. What are the key points to pay attention to, particularly in the Heartland case and this other processor case that's just come to light as well? Well, I think, you know, when we, when we talk about you know, all the different issues that are out there and top of mind, these are, are very high profile. Um, I think, though, that the biggest thing that people need to pay attention to is the fact that fraud is, is a, such a multi, multifaceted thing. It's constantly changing in terms of landscape and threat uh, profiles. When you look at, you know, the Heartland case, they were attacked from the inside, but the reality is, is attacks can originate from any external source just as easily and organizations really need to be constantly vigilant, taking a layered approach to the problem. Now, Heartland was about mass processing of transactions, but banks' websites are just as vulnerable to losing data from an individual if proper measures aren't taken, including dedicating both time, technology, and resources to the problem going forward, not just looking at it as a one-shot deal. You know, you may be secure at one moment in time, but as things evolve, and fraud definitely does that, you're going to be behind and vulnerable if you don't pay attention. Now, Steve, we didn't speak all that long ago, really, but it feels like so much has happened since then, just in the global economy. And given that landscape, what do you see as currently the top fraud threats that are facing financial institutions? Yeah, well, that's that's a that's a tough one because it's constantly changing. And I think it, it, the reality is it's an evolution as opposed to radical change, at least from the way that I look at it. You just have to look at the daily articles that are out there um, and just see everything is, you know, it's like the Wild West out there. But I think along those lines, you can really, you know, identify some of the top threats as stemming from the fact that fraud is a mainstream activity now for criminals, and they're paying top dollar to smart engineers to design and build new types of attacks. They're organized, they're concerned about usability of their malware, which as a software provider, um, I find a bit disconcerting and, um, you know, in some twisted ways entertaining. You know, a, a good example, I was looking at a silent piece of malware called Silent Banker, um, which has been hugely successful for the malware community, unfortunately. And when you use it, it actually, um, as a malware provider, as you, when you use to create a, a piece of malware, it literally checks your machine to see if it has malware on it so it doesn't get messed up when it's creating the malware to go and attack <laughs> users. Yeah, it, it's, it's pretty entertaining. And the re that's the result of a highly organized approach to creating fraud uh, types of vehicles. And they're really creating highly effective um, attacks, things like spear phishing, harpooning. They're, they're, they're really working at trying to become more effective. You know, you guys had on on your site a recent Javelin study that talks about in the U.S. alone, the number of fraud victims has increased 22% year over year, cost, uh, costing 9.9 .9 million users, a total of $48 billion in 2008. Well, that's the U.S. There's a lot of banking going on in the rest of the world as well, and banks really need to address those. I think the the other the other thing to consider is the attacks go much beyond the typical phishing um, because of this organized approach, like malware, SQL injections, those types of attacks. 
and they're hard to detect and deal with. You know, the, uh, the historical way of post-transaction analysis, looking over log files, seeing if something's happened, it just doesn't cut it for today and going forward. And uh, they really need to consider, um, banks and, and financial organizations really need to look at this hard and fast to figure out where to go next. You know, Steve, you mentioned the Javelin study. I've spoken to some folks at Javelin and elsewhere, and one of the things I keep hearing about is multi-channel fraud that the fraud's not just coming from phishing, it's not just coming from vishing, it's coming from everywhere that an organization touches a customer. And I'm curious how that resonates with what you see in the marketplace. Yeah, we're seeing that quite a bit as well, although pretty much every bank we talk to agrees the most important channel today that needs to be more succinctly and effectively addressed is the online channel. The reality is, is that organizations are looking for better ways to address online fraud, fraud, but they also want the ability to tie into these other systems to deal with cross-channel or multi-channel fraud. You know, they want an approach that doesn't require them to change the application to detect fraud in the online space, or at the same time allow for an evolution to taking accounts for other channels like IVR and ATM. The, the really interesting thing is that some of our customers are doing this today and they're doing it because a lot of their systems are purely web-based. Uh, one, one example is a European customer of ours that monitors everything that goes on their website, whether it's business or consumer banking, as well as their mobile site, which is a dedicated mobile site, both for traditional mobile devices as well as iPhones, and their call center application. So by being able to monitor the online channel, they actually are effectively covering off three different channels for their end users um, coming into the organization because when a call center application opens up a particular user, you can cross-verify and cross-reference that to what a user is doing online. At the end of the day, though, multi-channel is going to increase importance over time, and whatever people choose today has got to be easy to deploy in the online channel and have the ability to evolve to the other channels. You know, one of the other areas we hear an awful lot about is the insider threat, and that given the economic conditions, we're at heightened risk of the insider threat. From your perspective, what's the reality of this insider threat, and how can financial institutions best mitigate their risks there? Well, I think, I think the, the biggest issue is today the external threat, but insider threats are always going to be an issue that, you know, any... Um, conscientious and uh, effective organization is going to want to pay some attention to. You just have to look at Heartland or the Society General example from last year to understand that it can happen. And, you know, of course, they need to make sure they have good security plans in place in general. You look at the, the recent consensus audit guidelines that have been released which talk about, you know, critical cybersecurity controls. They're, they're fairly basic when you think about them, but unless you have a plan that walks through in a structured way um, how to deal with insider threats, you know, across all these different areas, you might miss something. And, uh, and that, you know, that in its, in of itself means there's spaces there for insiders to get in. I think the really interesting part is, is that a lot of the systems, though, that are being used on the inside uh, in order to perpetrate attacks Force organization or force fraudsters to go outside. So I'll give you an example. You look at so the uh, Society General example, where the broker was using his past position and back office functions to create new users 
that he could then go in the online system and uh, affect trades and fraud against uh, Societe Generale. Well, there's a couple of things there when you think about that. One, strong authentication would have stopped him from ever gaining access to those systems, you know, had that been in place for him to be able to create users. And then you think about the online system, so seeing new users being created, seeing them access from particular locations, like inside SockGen, all of a sudden 50 new users are accessing and doing trades, those would all be um, buzzers going off inside the fraud world to watch for. So it sort of goes full circle to the fact that you need to be able to monitor the online world um, to catch some of this inside fraud at the same time. That makes sense. Steve, let's talk about some of what you're seeing in your own marketplace. What are Entrust customers doing to best reduce their fraud risks? Well, I, I think a lot of our customers are doing quite a bit, and it really depends on the geography um, that's going to drive the different approaches. You know, for example, when you look at South America, legislation and fraud have really driven banks to deploy strong authentication en masse. We have a lot of customers in South America doing strong authentication. And the, the really interesting thing is, is that those banks are now saying, okay, that's a good starting point. We want to also layer in fraud detection because strong authentication in and of itself is not um, the panacea or the, uh, the thing that is going to be the silver bullet to stop fraud. There is no silver bullet. You need layers there, and so they're doing that. When you look at Europe, Europe is more um, uh, accepting of strong authentication, in fact, more widely deployed for a strong authentication, and they're really looking at layering in fraud detection, so web fraud detection, to address what, uh, what the issues are. North America is a little bit different. So we had FFIEC come and go. We had the uh, red flag reg uh, come into play. And with all the attacks that are happening out there and those two things, a lot of our customers and, in fact, prospects are now taking a, a relook at what they're doing, saying, you know what, I need to do better on fraud, and I probably need to do better on authentication as well. Oh, that makes sense. Now, given what you know and what you see globally, what can banking institutions be doing better now to protect themselves and their customers from these risks that we've discussed? I think the biggest thing is that they need to realize the problem is one that needs attention today urgently and will continue to need attention over time. And that's really because the fraud problem is continuing to evolve. You know, banks need to look at getting a real-time fraud web fraud detection system, you know, as described in the recent new Gartner Magic Quadrant document that, you know, that allows them to capture and detect fraud in real time. And they need to do this right away so they can start detecting and defending against fraud for their end users. And, and the other piece is that they really do need the ability to introduce more strong authentication for end users, um, especially in North America where we've been reticent uh, in historical times to get in the way of end users unnecessarily. With web fraud detection in play, you can you know, authenticate users based on risk, um, but ultimately if you want to add new higher value transactions to a website, to an online bank, which in today's economic times would be very appealing, you really need to uh, add more strong authentication availability. I think the, the final thing, of course, and this just makes sense, banks, banks really need to talk to their end customers. They need to share strategies with them for online safety and communicate that they're safe with the bank. That's all going to help the end user.
One last question for you, Steve. We've talked about organized crime. We've talked about the insider threat and the risks that are in the marketplace. As you get out and talk with banking institutions and other organizations, what's the single most important piece of advice you can offer to them? Well, I think my biggest piece of advice would be that, you know, in this time of economic pressure that we're in today, especially for financial institutions, the reality is is that thieves are more active than ever. They really are looking at this as an opportunity where financial institutions may be defocused on security and information technology to attack these institutions. And that really means that banks need to focus budgets and effort on solving the fraud problem. You know, there's maybe other places to cut, but this isn't one of them, especially if they want to keep their customers safe and happy. They should look to leading analyst firms like Gartner for guidance on choosing proven solutions from vendors that are able to weather the storm. Don't look to um, the, 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 uh, the smaller vendors to, uh, to solve the problem because you need someone that's going to be around. And leading analyst firms like Gartner, uh, like Javelin, can help with that. Very good, Steve. Thanks so much for your time and your insight today. Thanks very much, Tom. We've been talking with Steve Neville, Director of Identity Solutions with Entrust. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.